How's it going today, guys? Back here live in the studio for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. I'm your host, Thomas Penland, coming to you live from Atlanta, Georgia on Thursday, July 15th, 2021. Joined once again by Ben Gorwitz. Ben, say what's up to the people. Oh, I'm so happy to be back. This is, this is going to be a great, great episode to talk about. Oh, yeah, guys, it's a great day to be alive and great day to talk about some sports. Me and Ben have been chomping at the bit, but we don't want to be one of those podcasts where we jump to conclusions, you know, too soon. And we make a, we, you know, we jump the gun a little bit on NBA takes. You know, I'd rather watch everything unfold a little bit and quant- and get a better opinion, you know. Also, too, halfway point in MLB, we're going to revisit our predictions. We have some pretty bad ones. We have some pretty good ones. Um, we're also going to talk a little bit about what we think is going to play out in the second half of the season. But we got all that coming to y'all, so strap in, get ready for another good episode. Let's start out, though, with the NBA Finals we watched last night. Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks took down the Phoenix Suns, evening up the series 2-2. to um, I know originally I picked the, picked the Suns to win the series. I actually placed a future bet, as I said on Twitter and Instagram, on the Bucks to win the series before the game started last night. Got pretty damn good odds as well. Um, let's talk a bit, a little bit about what's flipped in the switch in the series, Ben. And honestly, it's been Giannis. Giannis has stepped the heck up in this series. I mean, his legacy is on the line here, and he sure is playing like it that he doesn't want anybody to remember anything besides Giannis Antetokounmpo is a beast. He was decent in the first game, but ever since then, he's been a completely different player. Dropped 42 in game two, and if anybody had showed up at all, he probably would have won that one. And also, the Suns hit 20 out of 43 pointers, so those two things didn't help. Leads us now to game three, where Giannis drops a 48 piece, and then last night, he only had 26, but Call me crazy, Ben, but I think that was the best performance Giannis has had yet this entire playoffs. Look, he said he didn't have to have the ball in his hands to win the entire game. I mean, he still got other people involved, which you love to see. I believe he had, I'll get this specific number, but I believe he had eight or nine assists last night. But eight. He, yeah, it was eight. So he basically said, pick your poison last night between me and Chris Middleton. I loved the fact that basically what they did was so whenever Aiton wasn't in the game, it was just straight bully ball in the post. You know, they said nobody out here can stop us. Kind of crazy to think that the amount of impact that Dario Saric is having on the series, but the Suns have no backup center. I mean, both teams have a very small rotation they can play, but when that Aiton was in the game, I mean, Aiton's probably the best perimeter defender you can get in the NBA. I mean, he's literally your prototypical center, but when they went small, they couldn't match up. But what they would do on those screens is Aiton has to hedge just enough to make sure, because I mean, Middleton's a very respectable player. He's going to hit anything in the mid range. And basically, it was either you let Middleton hit a bunch of jumpers or you throw it to Giannis on the rolls and you overplay Middleton. The Bucks called this and exploited this. Not going to lie. At first, I was complaining on Twitter, hated the game plan, not getting Giannis involved that much. But it ended up being the game plan that worked out. Chris Middleton had 40 points last night in the NBA Finals. 40 points from Chris Middleton, only hit three threes and seven free throws. He did it all in the mid range. You recapped it perfectly, man. Um, I'll, I'll start with Saric. I, who would have thought Dario Saric <laughs> missing would have made a you know a big impact? I mean, the Bucks just—I mean, sorry, the Suns just have nobody after Aiton. Mm-hmm. I mean, they tried to defend Giannis that one game when Aiton was uh, in foul trouble. I believe it was Game Three with Crowder, Kaminsky, and I think Cam Johnson even got a stab at him. I mean, those are just embarrassing defenders to try and put on Giannis. So. You know, they don't have a big man. Giannis is going to dominate the paint. And to go to your next point about Giannis not having to have the ball and it end up being successful, 
I mean, that's that's what I told you about. I, I believe that was my take on this podcast the last time we talked um, before game three. And listen, Chris Middleton is their do-it-all player. Giannis is not. Giannis does certain things on mm-hmm. a basketball court at an elite level. Chris Middleton, Middleton can do almost anything. He can dribble, he can shoot, he can pass. So I, I, say, I told you I would run the offense through Chris Middleton. I would yep. only give Giannis the ball in the paint and around the free throw line. Because once he's there, I mean, he doesn't take very many steps to get a layup or dunk. (laughs) And you know what? He's shooting his free throws a lot better at home. So that's an interesting key factor to keep uh, noticed for games five. And if we get to a game seven, those are both going to be in Phoenix. How is Giannis going to handle the crowd shouting numbers in his name? Is it going to speed him up? Can he knock down his free throws? So those were two great points you made that I just wanted to reiterate on. I'm still saying Suns and Six, to be honest with you, though. I think them going home will, will reset Chris Paul. I think Devin Booker's completely locked in, kind of like Chris Middleton right now. Those two, I, I'm expecting those two to exchange buckets for most of the series. Uh, it's a best of three from now on. Both teams held serve, and now it's a best of three. So the Suns, they have the obvious advantage because they still have home court advantage if it gets to game seven. So I'm going to stick with the Suns. I think Chris Paul resets. I think you see a, uh, a good, strong game from Chris Paul. I think his best game will come either in game – or I think it will come in game six, whether it's an elimination or it's a closeout game. I think that's when the legacy game for Chris Paul will, will be in full effect. Listen, their number one key to the game, in my opinion, keep DeAndre Ayton out of foul trouble in the first half. That's it, because I think in a best-of-three series, if Aiton can be on the court guarding Giannis for the majority of the time, I think the Suns have an advantage. Because like I've, like I've uh, texted you this, I've said it on the podcast, if you want to compare role players, so that is mm-hmm. everyone on the Bucks that's not named Giannis and that's not named Chris Middleton, and that's everyone on the Suns that's not named Chris Paul, DeAndre Aiton, and Booker. Everyone else is pretty much a role player on their teams. Which role, which set of role players are you taking to create their own shot? It's it's Cam Johnson, Crowder, Cameron Payne, Bridges. The, those are the main four for the Suns. It's Drew Holiday, Brooke Lopez, and Pat Connaughton, or the, and Bobby Porter for the big four for the for the Bucks. I I would take the Suns players every single time. When when you have to win a game on the road, Bobby Portis has kind of gone into the shadows. Pat Connaughton has been less effective. Like Cam Johnson in Bridges have shown up almost every game. Drew Holiday has not. Uh, I'm still a little disappointed in Drew Holiday, but I want you to kind of talk about his defense because that's what you were texting me uh, this morning and throughout the game about Drew Holiday's just tremendous perimeter defense. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Drew Holiday is probably a top three perimeter defender in the NBA. I mean, it feels like he knows what you're going to do when you have the ball in your hands before you even do it. I mean, we watched him put Devin Booker in a body bag to the point he couldn't even play in game four. I mean, in game three in the in the fourth quarter, we watched him do the exact same thing again to Chris Paul last night. Um, I'm not going to lie. Drew Holiday's offense is a lot worse than I remember it being. Like, his offense is downright – is almost, like, borderline pathetic. But his defense is so good that I can forgive all of his shortcomings on offense. I mean, some of these threes and some of these shots he puts up, he doesn't even look like he's confident they're going to go in. It's like he forgot how to have touch in the paint. I mean, his three-pointers are off, like, wide left, you know, like – 
they definitely – his offense has not been there, although I will say this. He did get hot a little bit in that third quarter in game three, which is where they are able to blow the Suns out, but his offense has been way too inconsistent. But, yeah, that perimeter defense, man, that's some of the best I've seen in the league. Look, I don't disagree with you, Ben. I personally think that – like, I agree with you completely on the fact Phoenix is the better role players. Like, when you – all those guys you named off, all those guys are playable in the series. When you look over from the Milwaukee side of things – I mean, Brooke Lopez is unplayable. P.J. Tucker, I mean, P.J. Tucker can't do anything. He can't even slow these guys down on defense. He, rebound. only, he does rebound well. That's, yeah, that was what I was about to say. The only thing he does is he puts so much extra effort in on defensive rebounding and offensive rebounding that it's like you have to play harder for a rebound. Because P.J. Tucker hustles so much. Like, I remember they passed that inbounds pass and he stole it. Like, that's just the little things he does. You know what I mean? Like, if you if you do anything lazy around P.J. Tucker, he will take advantage of it. He just plays 150% when he's out there. But Lopez is worthless. He only logged 19 minutes last night. He looked lost on the court. It's like he forgot how to post up. Bobby Portis comes in. He'll bring you energy. But at the end of the day, it's Bobby Portis. You know, Jeff Teague, I mean, I don't know why the hell Jeff Teague's on the floor in the NBA Finals. And then Pat Connaughton actually, I mean, it's not going to it's not going to show up that much in the box score, but he had a plus 21 plus minus. That's how much better the bucks were with him. And when they had Lopez on the floor, they're minus 13. So pretty much that swap between the two guys actually made the biggest difference in the entire game. But you know, this bucks team, they definitely did Deconcinzo. Both teams have a role player they're missing, but I mean, it's all about the star players. Like we were just saying, I personally think Milwaukee pulls this thing out in seven. I just feel like choking is in Chris Paul's nature. I don't mean to be a hater or anything like, on Chris Paul, I just feel like he always comes up short. Like last night, for example, Chris Paul had done freaking anything. His team could have won the game. I mean, Devin Booker, I mean, he Devin Booker literally fouled out twice and the refs didn't call it on him either time. And then he finally fouled out for the third time. But I mean, that could have been a big turning point in the series. It just felt like that this game was set up for Chris Paul to do something. I'm be honest with you. I bet on the Bucks last night. I probably should not have won that bet. I felt they're watching the game and I felt like the Suns really like, I mean, the Suns led the entire game. Milwaukee took, like, one lead in the fourth quarter, and then Milwaukee ended up taking it back and winning the game. Like, I couldn't believe it unfolding underneath my eyes. I don't hedge, but I thought about it multiple times of hedging out and just letting whatever happens happen the rest of the game. But, look, I personally think Chris Paul is going to come up short. It's just in his nature. I don't know. I'm going to defend him until I can't, so until the series is over. But, like, I don't have an explanation for how poorly he just played last night. It just looked like he wasn't ready to go at all. He never got it going. He couldn't hit a floater. He was scared to shoot in the paint for a couple of possessions. He he was turning the ball over more than he does. I don't know. There's something wrong with him. Yeah, there is a rumor that he hurt his hand, but, I mean, Giannis is playing with a hurt knee, and it doesn't seem to bother the him. finals. Yeah, I know I've raved on Giannis a lot, but I want to rave on him one more time. I know Giannis is one defensive player of the year, so I can't say he doesn't get recognized for his defense, but honestly, like – Giannis, to me, is one of the best defenders I've ever seen. He never gets in foul trouble. He can guard anybody on I mean, the he's floor. A, he's a T-Rex out there. Yeah, he guards <laughs> he guards anybody one through five, except for the fact he has insanely long arms. T-Rex has got the little short, stubby arms. Giannis has got the long ones. But, I mean, he, he like he he's makes so many good plays. Three like times that. the size of everyone, it looks like. That's, that's the point I was trying to make. Oh, no, I definitely agree with you on that. Like, that steal he had at the end, like, that was so clutch. That block he had, I mean, that was a LeBron-esque block. Honestly, look, I know we were texting about this earlier. You compared Giannis to Shaq, the way he scores in the paint. I agree, Giannis is the best paint scorer since Shaq. 
look, I know he can't shoot. He can't get his own shot like LeBron can, but he kind of reminds me of LeBron the way he plays. Like last night, it felt like he never forced it once. Like I wanted Giannis to be way more aggressive because it felt like he was so aggressive in those last two games. Last night, though, he trusted his teammates and knew that he needed to play through them in order to win the game. I mean, like you said, Ben, he really has no choice, which I completely agree with you on that. He really doesn't have a choice, but I like seeing that of a star player where they trust their teammates like that and they play through them to get the win. I feel like that's a true sign of a leader. Like, I just feel like Giannis, even when he didn't have the ball in his hands, he elevated every single player on the floor last night. There's there's a lot of people that get compared to LeBron. But, I, I mean, I see your point, but – um. So there's something I noticed last night, and I told you I was going to bring it up to see if, if you've noticed it. So I haven't yeah. asked you about this yet. Let's hear it. I'm um, excited. Have you noticed that a majority of the time when Booker comes off a screen on offense, obviously, mm-hmm. whether he has the ball or he's getting past the ball, have you noticed that he decides to take a mid-range shot a lot more often than a three? Yeah, I actually have. I kind of like that, though. So but I'll let you finish your point real quick. I like it when guys like that shoot the mid-range. I don't think everybody needs to do it. I think more so with like the way the NBA needed to adapt to more of like the shoot the threes, not the mid-range twos, is you want the role players like your Jay Crowders, like your Mikel Bridges, like, you know what I mean? You want those guys to be standing in the corner hitting threes, but you want your guys who are actually going to like isolate with the ball in their hand, like like Booker, like Harden, like Chris Paul. You want those guys all to shoot pull-up twos. Obviously, James Harden, Steph Curry are kind of the exceptions to that, but there's always one or two exceptions to everything. So all I was going to say is a lot of the time when people bring up that point mm-hmm. is you're trading threes and twos, right? Well, threes, if the team's better shooting threes, they're typically going to win because a threes obviously worth more than a two. I was just going to bring up how the two best scorers in this series, Devin Booker and Chris Middleton, both play the exact same style of basketball. They would rather shoot the mid-range two than the three. I was, I don't know if you noticed that. Both of these guys are capable of scoring 30, 40, almost every single game. And they'd mm-hmm. rather do it from the two point line than the free throw line or the three point line. I think that's, I think that's rare in today's basketball game. I think your best score, you rarely see that person shooting more, like willingly shooting more twos than threes. No, that I do definitely agree with you. You don't see that very often, but yeah, I mean, those shots he was hitting too was unbelievable. Like there was that one where they zoomed up on Holiday's closeout. Holiday literally ran by him and was like full out jumping. I mean, Holiday's a freak athlete. He can probably can touch. He could probably touch above the square on the backboard, and he was closing him out like that, and he still hit it in his face. I mean, those shots are tough, man. Anything else on the series before we flip the switch to a little MLB? It's 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 a great series. I I still don't get the complaint of lack uh, of of why i'm seeing or the complaint of like you know the stars aren't in it because there are stars in it and i don't understand why the viewers are down uh, this has star players this has drama this has two great teams uh, i mean i'm i've loved every second of all four games to be honest with you out of the last like besides the fi- after the finals where lebron beat the warriors the next one, I mean, the Warriors literally whooped their ass. It wasn't fun to watch. The next one, the same thing happened again. The Warriors whooped their ass. It wasn't fun to watch. Raptors Warriors was fun to watch for like the first until basically after that game where Durant got hurt. Then after that, the Raptors just blew them out. So, I mean, that was like eh-ish series. Last year's finals was total garbage. They did no business even being there. 
this year's finals is like this is the classic finals that I remember like when we'd have Kobe battling out with the Lakers when we had LeBron battling out with the Spurs like this is what I love in the NBA finals like we've only had one we've I guess we've had two blowout games so far so it's been good um now let's go over to the MLB so obviously before the season started Ben and I gave you all some predictions we gave you a little rundown podcast me and Ben uh, painfully re-listened the podcast and Look, we had some good calls. We had some terrible calls. We'll kind of review them real quick here, and then we'll talk about what we think is going to play out the second half of the season here. So for the NL, unfortunately, we both took our Braves to win the to win the East. I mean, we'll just keep it short and sweet here. Injuries are a bitch. Um, next up is the NL Central. I took the Reds. Ben took the uh, Cardinals to win that one. Both very much still in play. Um we both took the Dodgers to win the NL to win the NL West. I mean, I think everybody and their mom took the Dodgers to win the NL West. We'll talk about that a little bit later, but still very much in play. I don't know how much my Cardinals are in play, by the way. They're eight games out. Oh wow, they're that actually that is right. They were ice cold before the All Star break. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all right though. There's still a lot of games left. I mean, we still got what eighty one games left. Baseball left, give or take, something like that. Yeah, so we still got a lot of baseball left. Um, for the for the wild card, we both took the Padres. I had the Nationals. Ben had who was your other wild card again in the NL? The NL. Mm-hmm. I had Mets and I had um, Padres. Yeah. Okay, so I had the I had the Nats. He had the Mets. Both went uh, NL East there with our second one, and then in the American League, I had we both had the Yankees winning the uh, winning the East. In the Central, we both had the White Sox, which is an absolute lock. And then in the um, in the <laughs> yeah, it's not even so close bad. there. Division is so bad. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not even close. And then we I had the Astros, and he had the A's winning the West. And then as our wild cards. I took the Astros and the Blue Jays. Ben had it completely different from me. He had Tampa Bay and the Twins. First, Ben, let's talk a little bit about these overall divisions. So let's uh, – I mean, where should we open it up as? Who do we think – I guess we'll open it up here. Who do we think is going to fall off the second half of the season that's overachieved? We'll go ahead and start things out with the NL West, which we think the winner is going to still be the Dodgers here with the Giants. Why do you think they're going to regress, Ben? Um, well, part of it is I I don't know how they're this good. <laughs> exactly. Mean, they, 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 have, they have good players, old and young. But, like, I mean, Brandon Belt and uh, more specifically Brandon Crawford, they've, like, gone back in time mm-hmm. to, like, 2013, 2014 because – both those guys are balling out. Um, you know, Buster Posey doesn't play every day. I think he's also been a little hurt, has also played well. That, he, that dude is just so talented. That doesn't shock anyone. But they're pitching, man. Um, Kevin Gosman had, I, I, I thought, a real chance to be possibly a starter in the All-Star game. He's having that good of a year. They're getting good production out of Alex Wood um, when he's able to pitch. And they figured out a way, man. They're, they're the best team for betting purposes. They're the best through the first half. They were the best team in the first five innings. So, you know, I'm a big first five inning guy. Like yep. their starting pitching is just a lock. Their starting pitching has been unbelievable. I, at this point, I'm expecting Gosman to keep it going. Maybe not on pace like he is. I think I'm just expecting everyone else to kind of come back to normal a little bit as the season gets you know tougher and tougher. So I, I think the Dodgers and the Padres are going to put some serious pressure on the Giants. 
and we'll start to kind of see them come back to earth. But I mean, they, they have an unbelievable chance to make the playoffs based on their first half start. I agree with you completely on that. I think they're an absolute lock to make the playoffs. I really don't see them falling off. I mean, when you look at the NL, I mean, the, they, the West itself has three teams that have at least like the Padres are six games out of first place and they still have six more wins than the Mets do. So, I mean, right off that division. And the Giants also, have, they through the first half of the year, they have the best record in baseball. Yeah, so do exactly. I expect them to have the best record in baseball throughout the entire season? I'm going to say no. And that's why I think they're going to slow down. See, I agree with you completely on that. Like guys like Descalciani or however you pronounce it. I mean, when he was on the Reds, he was barely even worthy of being a starting pitcher. All of a sudden the Giants, I mean, the Giants have elite coaching. I mean, this farm system and their their player development, I mean, they have to have the best player development in baseball. Like you never hear about them making a splash in free agency besides Evan Longoria. You know, like he was the one exception. Like, I mean, that's another one of those old guys, like you were saying earlier. I mean, this Giants team, they built it all through their farm system and through developing free agents that nobody else wanted. Kevin Gosman, nobody wanted him. I mean, when he was in Atlanta, we wanted to run him out of town with pitchforks. Now look at him. He's arguably the best pitcher in baseball this season. So obviously besides the DeGrom, got to give respect to the, to the DeGrom. But yeah, I think this Giants team definitely regresses. We see the Dodgers shoot back up. The other team in the NL here that I have regressing is the Milwaukee Brewers. The Brewers are 53 and 39. Um, they do have a very good run differential, but I think this Reds team is going to heat up, man, and give them a run for their money here in this division. I just feel like this Brewers lineup is not that good when you look at it top to bottom. Christian Yelich really hasn't been able to re- uh, return to his MVP form. This team solely runs off their pitching. They have a great bullpen, and they have good starting pitching. Corbin Burns, if you all don't know who that is, one of the best pitchers in baseball. I mean, he's going to be – obviously, nobody can overtake take the Cy Young from DeGrom except for maybe Gosman if DeGrom gets hurt again. But, I mean, Burns is easily the third best pitcher in the NL this season. He's been an absolute beast. Also, too, this Reds team, though, has seemed to figure things out. They've been on fire, and they went the break on fire going 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. They've seemed to have got a lot of guys back in healthy hitting. They seem to have figured out Luis Castillo's problems as he's won four out of his last five starts. I just feel like I'm like before the season started, this red, this Brewers team just does is not deep enough. In my opinion, hitting the ball. I think it's going to catch up to them at some point in time. They're going to hit a slump. I think the Reds catch them. So the Brewers actually have three all-star starting pitchers. They, they were that good this year. I mean, Burns Woodruff and uh, Freddie Peralta, I believe are all three. And then their bullpen, as you mentioned. Um, Yeah. I mean, they, they, went on a tear too at one point. I forgot how many games they won in a row, but it was a lot. I'm going to, I was going to say the Cardinals um, to stick with my original pick, but I forgot Jack Flaherty was on like the 60 day IL. Uh, that's their best pitcher. So uh, I'm going to change that. I'm going to agree with you with the, with, uh, the red legs, the reds, <laughs> the red legs. I love I, it. Yeah. I, this lineup is, is going to be tough to get through. I, I don't see Castellanos slowing down. Winker's having a career year. Um, Joey Votto, I mean, he, he's looked better this year than he has in his past two years when I thought he was really starting to slow down. Mm-hmm. And you know what, I, this team that they, uh, they're going to get on base. I think their pitching is good enough to keep it close right now. They're only four games out of the division and they're three and a half games out of first place in the wild card. So, um, they're, they're not far out, is my point. I, I think they can get hot. They finished the first half extremely hot. They were 8-2 and two in their last 10 games. So I, I'm going to pick the Reds. Another team I'm going to go with, man, I, 
it, it's the brutal NL East, but it, it's because I don't think the Mets are just going to run away with it. Mm-hmm. I hate this team, but I'm going to go with the Phillies. I'm going with them because they we see what at least two starting pitchers can do for a ball club when the important games come. I trust Nola and Zach Wheeler's having a career year. So those, that two-headed monster, it, it can come into play. I, I don't want to leave out Eflin. I think Eflin's having one of the better years of his career. It's the bullpen. The bullpen's the problem. The lineup, the lineup on paper is great. I think Real Muda will hit a little bit better uh, than he did in the, in the uh, first half of the season. But it, they just got to fix the bullpen. They're, they have an ownership group that's been willing to spend money. I think they need to go spend some more money. On the bullpen, I, I could see them get, bring in two bullpen pieces. I think if they make no moves, then I'm very worried for this pick. It, but I think they're going to spend some money, get some bullpen help, and I, I think the Phillies have a chance to go on a run. I, I think they can scare the Mets a little bit. Listen, the Mets are the Mets are good. Like, I don't know if I, I know some of my Mets fans will admit it. Some of them are still wary. They're like, oh, it's the Mets. It's the Mets. Like. No, like this Mets team is good. Like, they, I just think they're hitting their lack of hitting at some point. You would think is going to catch up mm-hmm. with them. Their pitching, their starting pitching is unbelievable. It's some of the best in baseball. Their bullpen is also very, very, very good. It's probably within the tops of baseball as well. The lack of hitting has to catch up to a team at some point. They they struggle to score runs. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. I, I I don't see a team running away with this, this division, so I'm going to pick the team that's currently in um, in second place in the division. Yeah, I could definitely see the Phillies getting hot. Um, I could definitely, I could most definitely seeing that one happen. Ben, I don't hate that take at all. You know, like like you said, you know, this Phillies team really, if they can figure out the bullpen, they'd win some more games. Hector Nevis has blown a couple saves at the back end. I actually think the Nationals, though, are going to heat up a little bit. The Nationals got better right before the All-Star break. Steven Strasburg will be coming back. Um, Nationals dealt with COVID at the beginning of the year, and some of their new acquisitions like Josh Bell got up to very slow and bad starts. These guys have finally started to pick it up. I mean, Juan Soto, I feel like, is going to heat up, too. I feel like that home run derby kind of got his juices going again and got him flowing once again. And this Nationals team's loaded, man. Trey Turner and Juan Soto, probably two of the best hitters in baseball, two better players in the game. Um, I look for the – I mean, obviously, they did lose Schwarber, which was a decent – which was a tough – blow for this team but ultimately i think this team is going to heat up and i think they're going to end up turning things around and get here into this playoffs i mean they're they're only six games out of the division as is six games is nothing it's not much they they need more production from the guys that they're paying the biggest money to that's patrick corbin and strasburg no i agree patrick corbin though i think's done he's been terrible this year he's been really bad and he's getting paid a lot of money Mm-hmm. I think when they get Strasburg back out there, they'll figure things out. I mean, Scherzer's still Scherzer, you know. Look great starting the All-Star game. That's what I'm saying. It could also be me not wanting to die on the hill that I picked the Nats to make the playoffs. Um, Actually, talk- did, he give up the, did he give up the home run to Vladdy? Um, honestly, I didn't watch the All-Star game. I kind of was boycotting it because they moved it out of Atlanta, but I did watch the home run derby. I, no, he I had did to it. Watch. It, was, it was Burns. Corbin Burns was awful. Gave up two runs. Jeez, after we just bragged on him like that, Corbin Burns did terrible <laughs> on the one stage when everybody gets to watch him play. <laughs> Vladdy um, Jr. Vladdy Jr. hit one to the moon. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I did see the highlight of that. That was an absolute tank. I mean, Vladdy Jr. has 
Well, let's talk a little bit about the about the AL MVP award. I mean, is it going to be Otani? Is Youngest it going to be Vladdy, Or are they going to hold it against these guys that their teams aren't winning? Um, I mean, if they if if Vladimir Guerrero Jr. wins the Triple Crown, it's it's pretty obvious who's getting the award. Um, I don't know, man. I, I think. I mean, Otani's got to keep it up, you know. I think if he, I think if he keeps it up, he won't be hurt by his team not winning because he's the only two-way player. So if he's successful at it, you can't fault him for his team because he's doing something no one else is currently doing. Um, I mean, I don't think it's a lock between the two of them either, though. I mean, we got a whole second half season to come up. Uh, he's the youngest MVP to win an All-Star Game MVP, which is very, very impressive. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, and listen, shout out Pete Alonzo. Put on a show in the home run derby. That man was hitting lasers and tanks and moonshots and lasers. It it was unbelievable performance that he put on again back to back. You know what? He he's the type of player. Did you watch the home run derby? I did. I did watch the home run derby. It was sick. You could tell that he's jacked up and and cares more about the event than pretty much everyone else out there. I'm not saying everyone else didn't try. Of course they tried, but he like. You can see it on his face. Like, he wanted this. Like, he, he's the type of guy that could just win that, like, five times in the career, I feel like. Mm-hmm. like he, he's get, he looks like he loves doing it. If he keeps winning, he's going to be invited back. So, I mean, we'll see. I think an interesting point was he's still on his rookie deal. So, he just made more money in the home run derby than he does for what the Mets pay him in salary. Yeah. But I also just saw that he donated some of the home run derby money to – um I want to say the Wounded Warrior Project uh, and something else. I think he donated some of the money. So I don't think he – I think he knows he's getting a big deal in his future. But he's the type of guy that – I mean, listen, he loves it in home runs. He's very good at it. He, he seems like he enjoys this event. And I could see him being in future home run derbies for years to come and winning some of them. Yeah, I mean, as little hitting as the Mets have, they don't pay Alonzo. I don't know what the heck they're doing there. So – Definitely, they take, I think Conforto, Conforto's next for them, and then I think Alonzo will be right after. Yeah, Conforto's been hurt so much. I feel like you got to reward Alonzo for sure. I mean, that's one you definitely can't let get out of your hand. Um, so me and Ben picked NL MVP. Ben had Juan Soto. I had Corey Seager. Safe to say, neither of those are going to get us to the window. It's a, um, who do you think is going to win this NL MVP award? Degrom. I think Degrom is a very good chance at it. Um, I, I would like for him to, to stay healthy so that it, you know, brings that decision onto the table, whether he's, you know, he can win it or not. I, I think he, I would say he has a very, very good chance. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to find if I could see the odds for it, but I think Fandle took it away. Yeah, it looks like they only have the rookie of the years up right now, which is a little strange. As of right now, I, I'm gonna say it's I'm gonna say it's Degrom, but I think Tatis could really challenge him if the Padres go on a serious run. I think Tatis obviously is gonna be in the center around that, and but I'm I'm rooting for Degrom. Yeah, I think it'd be cool to see a pitcher win the award, and especially doing it the way Degrom is. The fact that he can hit and he can pitch so good. Um, oh, he's so good to hit it, but. You know, it, it's it's really a tough one, honestly. I, mm, I really, 
I feel like right now DeGrom, you know, has to be the front runner because the Mets are in first place. If the Mets keep first place, I feel like you have to give it to DeGrom. Like, see, the way you look at it is, like, nobody on the Dodgers really doing anything worthy to get the award. Nobody on the Giants is. I mean, obviously DeGrom's way better than Kevin Gosman, so that takes that out of the question because that's by far the Giants' best player this season. Then, you know, you just keep going down the line. I feel like Tatis is really his only challenger, you know, like with Acuna going out for the season. I mean, I don't even want to talk about it, but I feel like it all really is a two-man race at this point. It's either Tatis or it's DeGrom. I mean, if the Mets get first place, I think it's DeGrom. It, and as long as he stays off the IL. He's also Tatis. chasing history. I I can't remember the guy's name, but the lowest DRA. So, I mean, if he gets that, you got to reward history, don't you? No, I agree with you completely on that. I saw somebody had a bet on Otani and uh, DeGrom to win MVP before the season started. It was like $25 to win like win like over like a hundred grand and like now both guys are favored to win the award so yeah it's gonna be crazy to see what happens there i'm not even gonna tell y'all what our al mvps were they're so off um it's just embarrassing for both of us um let's talk a little bit about the rookies so far who's impressed you the most out of all the rookies in the mlb this season oh i mean garcia for the rangers is is absolutely one of them um i believe he is what's his name Adonis Garcia, they used to play for the Braves, the third baseman, yeah. who could hit home runs but strike out and make errors in the field, that guy. Yeah. And this is his brother. No way. Um, Adolis Garcia, I think it's his brother. I think so. Adolis Garcia is is my pick for, for most impressive AL rookie. Uh, NL rookie, I mean, Trevor Rogers of, of the uh, Miami Marlins has been a very impressive pitcher. Um. I've been impressed with Jonathan India. He's been hitting leadoff, which is not easy. Especially um, as a rookie, man. You know, That's Jazz tough. Chisholm. Chaz Chisholm. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, when he's healthy. He, he hasn't always been healthy. Patrick Wisdom, who didn't start the year for the Cubs. He's had a terrific uh, terrific start to his year. Um, but, I, I mean, Garcia and Trevor Rogers, I think, are the favorites right now to win rookie of the year. So those guys have been great. I kind of like Jake Cronenworth personally. I mean, I feel like obviously he played last year, but he's still he considered. Still? Yeah, he's still yeah. considered a Is rookie. He still considered a rookie. Yeah. Yeah. He's, it's just stud. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Cronenworth. I mean, he was just on the All Star team. He's hitting almost three hundred on the season. He's got pop in his bat too. I mean, he does get a hit in front of Tatis, which is always nice, you know, and Machado. So he's always on base for him. But I feel like he's really the guy who sets the tone for this Padres lineup because he's one of the first hitters who comes up for him and he gets on base and then he lets the other guys do the rest of their thing. So definitely like him. Um, ultimately, Ben. Are you looking to change your World Series prediction? Mine was the White Sox losing to the Dodgers in six. Are you looking to change it, or are you like yours and let it ride? Ooh. Sorry, I, I cut out for a second. Did you say what my prediction was? No. What was your prediction? I had Dodgers. I think I had Dodgers over the White Sox. Okay, so we both had the exact same thing then. I believe so. Yeah, I, I feel like I we write, both I did. I believe that's what it was. I don't think I had the Yankees. I definitely had the Dodgers. No, I think you're right, honestly. That's the part I didn't go back. I didn't listen to that part when we uh, rewatched it or re-listened. Yeah, I think you did because you were high on the White Sox. I mean, you picked Giolito to win Cy Young, so you were definitely as high on him as I was. I'm honestly – all right, call me crazy. I've got the Padres – winning the world series i just feel like this team them are the i mean the white Sox are going to get robert back and they're going to get jimenez back so the white Sox are going to be absolutely better jimenez is rehabbing right now 
Yeah, I had a friend the- that lives in Charlotte who he just saw him play in Charlotte. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. I did hear he's been playing with the minor league team now. Obviously, he's a good ways away, but I mean, he'll be back this season. So, I mean, they're going to get arguably two of the best hitters back, not to mention as well, they're going to get Nick Madrigal back, who, I mean, is up there for, he was up there for AL Rookie of the Year until he got hurt. I think this White Sox team is definitely a shoe-in to get there, but I think the Astros is their biggest roadblock, just because the Astros are playoff experience, and you know how those guys are in the playoffs. They're grinders, but call me crazy. I just think the Padres is their year, man. I just feel like it's so hard to make it back. The Dodgers always come up short somehow. I feel like the Padres are going to pull out something here and get hot. I could see them possibly making a move for another guy here at the All-Star break. It's been rumored that they're in on a bunch of these big guys that people want. But, you know, they really haven't been pitching Lamette at all, so they can add him in there. I mean, the Dodgers don't have Bauer. I mean, like we we were just discussing before we hopped on here, I mean, losing Bauer is not that big of a blow, but – I just feel it's like this Padres team is the young is the young up and coming team, kind of like how the Nationals was the year they won the World Series. I could just see this team being a problem. Losing Bauer, Bauer is definitely a blow. I mean, he was the mm-hmm. biggest free agent signing uh, in terms of like player status that there was. Um, I, I'm not going to get into the allegations. You guys can read about that yourself. Yeah. I just know that the MLB has continued to suspend him while investigation has gone on. They've extended the original suspension, and he is being paid, by the way, um, as he should be. He, By law, he has not done anything wrong yet. He's not guilty yet, mm-hmm. um, or he's not innocent or guilty yet. So um, he's being suspended with pay, and it's been extended, I believe, three times now. So uh, it, it certainly seems like it, he, they're going to keep extending it another two weeks until the investigation is cleared, um, and we'll figure it out from there. Um, Listen, if, if they have the chance to add him back, I mean, he just won the Cy Young last year. I think you guys can figure out how much that does for a team. If they don't have him back, it, it's the exact opposite. It's He just won the Cy Young last year, and you know how much that impacts a team. Yep. Don't forget they lost Dustin May earlier. He's not coming back in the season uh, from an injury. So, I mean, listen, the Dodgers lineup, it, it is what it is. It's it's Thanos. It's, it's loaded. But it, they're pitching – and, I mean, they, they kind of have a secret weapon just hiding out in their bullpen right now. His name is David Price. So, I, I'm not worried about the Dodgers. I, I never am. He never should be. If they make me look like a fool, then, I mean, I want him but the champ. So, Yeah, can't be mad at all about going with the team that's 20 times more stacked than everybody else. Um, anything else we need to go over before we get up out of here? I don't think so, man. I think we got it all as well, Ben. Um, ben, appreciate you coming on once again. I think we we killed it once again as usual. Yeah, a lot, a lot of, a uh, lot of fun topics to talk about. NBA Finals are full steam ahead right now, and the MLB is about to be full steam ahead for uh, the second half of the season playoff pushes. Oh yeah, guys, look out in the next couple of podcasts for me and Ben to do a mock draft for y'all of the NBA draft draft lottery. Um, NBA draft coming up on the 29th. After that. NBA free agency and NFL. That's going to be a crazy time. Those will be some long podcasts for y'all. So we're going to be pumping out a lot of good stuff for y'all coming up here in the next few weeks. Appreciate everyone who tuned in and we'll talk to y'all again soon.